It's time to go into business for yourself. Get ready for another episode of the Franchise Academy Podcast. Education, insight, and inspiration. Here's your host, small business and franchise expert, Tom Scarda. Welcome to another episode of the Franchise Academy. My name is Tom Scarda, and I am excited to have a great, great guest with me from the other side of the pond, as they say, but now a resident of L.A. First, I want to just say thank you very much for coming on um, or listening to this show. We are uh, the Franchise Academy, everything you ever want to know about franchising, the good, the bad, the ugly. If you want to buy a franchise, turn your business into a franchise, check out my podcast, The Franchise Academy, which you're listening to now, and also my books, uh, Franchise Savvy, and several other things. And don't forget about my new online course, uh, The Franchise Academy online course, How to Buy a Franchise, the A to Z's, everything you need to know about how to be a successful franchise owner. So as you know, I've owned and operated franchises I've done well. I've had a miserable failure as well. And so my book is all about the failure, the lessons learned. And uh, that's the kind of stuff you should know about if you're thinking about franchising. Today, we're going a little bit off topic from franchising. And we're going to talk about relationships within business and within franchising. Today, I have James Sinclair with me, who is the CEO, the founder and chief executive officer of Enterprise alumni. So James, welcome to the Franchise Academy. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate you having me. This is so great. So originally from London, so you're my first official Beatle on the podcast. <laughs> Perfect. I'm, I'm happy to be number one of one. Yeah, I came here when I was 18 on my gap year. As I told you, I kind of looked up at the blue sky, the palm trees and the gas prices. And I was like, well, this is my new home. <laughs> yeah, and that happens to a lot of people, but just the blue sky and the palm trees in LA are enough for me. Love the town. Um, you know, everything about the whole West Coast vibe is is fantastic. So uh, the alumni advantage is your book, is that right? Yep, it's my book coming out in the next few months. If I could just hurry up and read it for the 900th time, as, as I'm sure, Tom, but you being an author have been through, like the fifth time you read it, you start to hate it. And so I'm going through that circle of life right now. I don't know if you're allowed to say that, but that's the circle that I'm in right now is actually sitting down and reading a book for its sixth time. So that's true. And, and it happens with franchises. You buy a franchise six months later, you say, what did this guy Tom get me into? <laughs> and then things turn around. But of course, yeah, you have to keep your nose to the grindstone. If you ever get a chance, I would read um, a, a little book called The War of Art, not The Art of War, but The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And he talks, he's a writer. Um, he wrote uh, several great books, mostly history books, but he wrote The Legend of Bagger Vance, which was his biggest play break. So he talks about how a writer needs to just sit down and just do it. And that goes with anything in life. Everything is going to get in your way. doesn't matter what you do. So sorry to go on that tangent, but I, I believe no, in that book. And I think Stephen Pretzfield is a great guy. 
No, I think it's important. I think, you know, you probably went through this when you start, you know, you believe you're good at something and you believe you are a master of your craft. And as you start writing it down, you realize you're not, you realize you've got so much more to learn, so much more to research, so much more to guide. Um, and the writing exercise allows you to actually really see your gaps. I mean, it was an interesting experience for me to understand where I am really great within my business, where I lean on other people and to bring them in. So it's a, it's also a very self it's a moment of realization. So it's amazing. I love it. Yeah. It, it is a different subculture and a different way of living. And, and unless you've ever done it, it's hard to really explain the experience, but it it's, it's like living with the worst part of yourself 24 hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I've already got that roommate. I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So tell me more um, about what the work that you do. So what we focus on, Tom, is, is this concept of alumni communities, that when you leave a company, you know, that company has spent so much time employing you, finding you, training you, retaining you, paying you and all of those things. And then when you leave, for whatever reason, be it growth, be it experience, be it college, whatever that item might be, the company essentially just cuts ties with you. But in reality, especially when we think about this within the retail environment, you are, you know, one of my favorite phrases is one of the guys in the US, uh, I think it's the, uh, the CHO of Chili's says, when you leave my organization, you're being promoted from employee to customer. And therefore, I need to make sure that your exit from our organization is fabulous. Because if it's not, for whatever reason, our fault, your fault, he had this amazing story. And I'm sorry to go on, Tom, where he said, we are kind of America's first employer, like, like McDonald's, like all of these companies. There are a lot of people who just no call, no show. They just don't turn up one day. That's the end of it. And what he was saying is he has to teach those people how to call, how to make that first conversation, how to phone their manager and say, I effed up. I'm sorry. Can I make good on it? Because no one's taught these people that actually you need to talk about it versus putting your head in the sand. And the reason he said it was so important is if he lets them no call, no show, he loses 40 customers because the next time Sally's got a birthday and she says, let's do it at Chili's. One person's going to say, oh, I can't go there. I, the manager, I did a no call, no show. And so he talks about this reality that his responsibility is making sure he's also teaching them basic business, but recognizing that how they exit has to be fantastic. And they're going to go on to these amazing careers, amazing opportunities in or out of the environment. And there is a value in staying connected. So again, Tom, sorry, that was a really long sentence, but it's this concept of just why wouldn't you? stay in touch with people who started or were at your organization at some point. Surely there is some sort of brand value, financial value, sales value, recruiting value, referring value there. So it reminds me of kind of breaking up with a, with a mate uh, or, or getting divorced. You know, it doesn't have to be ugly and I hate you, you hate me and, you know, and everything sucks. Um, there's a great book called Unconscious Uncoupling. Mm -hmm. That talks about, uh, do you know the book by any chance? I know the phrase. I have a, I have a daughter, so I know all things Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yes. Gwyneth uh, used this method called conscious, uh, conscious uncoupling. Um, and I could picture the author's face. I can't remember her name. Tom, Tom Thompson, Tom Thompson, I think. Anyway, you could find it if you just put that in. She has a great website. Anyway, she talks about the fact that you don't need to be angry. 
even in a nasty divorce, you can kind of be good. And and so when you when you're kind of ending it with an employer because you got a great offer or you decided, hey, I'm going to start a franchise um, there, I guess there is a way. So do you have like tenants of what you should do? Yeah, I think there's a couple of tenants. It depends on the industry, but I think the few tenants that say very consistent among them all is don't make it a shitty process. <laughs> Period. Just just start with just being a good human individually, and then it will automatically be that as a good company. You know, one of the stories they have is that when you leave Apple as an Apple retail employee on your last day, all the other employees clap you out, essentially celebrating what you've done for the organization, the impact you've had, and wishing you the best of luck with your career. And and so as you start to think about this and kind of, you know, you, you probably have listeners like, why does this apply to me? I'm a franchisee. I have three franchisees. I have 300. How does this work for me? Well, if you're debating between cell phone plans or burgers or shopping or anything, and there's two things that are roughly the same, cell phones, the easy one, you know, if you're choosing between T-Mobile or Verizon in general, depending on where you live, apples to apples, again, in general, people are very, very personal about their cell phone plans. Why would you choose one against the other? Well, if one person always talks positively about the brand, then surely you're more likely to go there. Surely you're more likely to spend a dollar. And I think people really don't recognize this concept of the employer brand. People talk about where they work. When you go to your next job, the first question people ask you is, where were you? And you're going to say, I worked at this company and I escaped and I hated it. Or you're going to say, I worked at this company. It's so awesome. In fact, I'm having drinks with some of my old, my old fellow colleagues in next week because it's one of their birthdays. Employer brand cannot be understated. And I hate to talk about retail and restaurants so much now when people are talking about this hiring blitz, but imagine if everyone who had ever worked for you, you had their Gmail address, your personal email. Imagine being able to send an email saying, hey, we're scaling up, we're staffing, we're reopening. If you know someone who would like to work here, send them my way, we'll guarantee them a first interview. And if you had a good experience with that company, you'd be like, well, yeah, actually, I do know a few people. Let me send them my way. And if you know they're going to take care of those people and treat you well. So all of these things become really important when you think about companies spend so much money on their mailing list and their marketing and their returning customers. I can give you your returning customers. They're the ones who are on the other side of the counter. They're the best returning customers there are. Wow. That just turns everything on its ear. I mean, I never really thought about it from this perspective. It's so interesting to me. And and you're so right. Why have any kind of animosity, you know, unless you got caught, you know, embezzling $100,000 from the company, there's no reason you shouldn't be clapped out. You know, I just love that idea. Um, And 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 it's okay to be not a good fit as well, Tom. I think people forget about that. Sometimes you're just not a good fit. Maybe it's because your first job and you just don't quite have the education of being on time. We've all been there. We've all had first jobs and we've all had jobs we didn't quite crush. You also might have a manager that you hate, but it doesn't mean you dislike the company. You can hate your manager, but like the company, like the product. And so even under those scenarios, ensuring that there is a way that you have a graceful exit. And when you think about franchisees, you know, if two different employees work for two different franchisees of a subway, do they both work for subway? The answer is yes. They both carry that brand forward. One of them's not going forward and said, Hey, where did you last work? Oh, I worked at Tom's subway franchises, Inc. No, 
I worked at Subway. And so for the mothership of the organization, making sure that exit process is part of the repeatable process that they're training their franchisees on and making sure they're assembling these fantastic, let's call it an email list or a marketing list or a Facebook group or a LinkedIn group, whatever it is, why wouldn't you? What is the downside of people out there smiling when they hear your brand name? That is so great, James. I just love it. And and I just think as I'm thinking it through, it makes even the hiring process better. It's like you, you could call three of my former employees to get a validation on, you know, the, yeah. the glass door of, you know, uh, of our organization and, and be proud of it. And, and that changes the hiring process and, yeah. and, and be, to be able to call somebody that worked for you two years ago and say, you're a great person. I loved having you work for me. Do you have any great friends that are looking for a job? Like great people like you. I mean, it's brilliant. I love imagine, it. imagine if just theoretically, on someone's birthday, they left. They left two years ago. But every year on their birthday, you send them an amazing email that said, Frank, happy birthday to you. Come on in. Lunch is on us. First round is on us. X is on us. Discount is on us. Even if they don't come, like, like that's an amazing email to get. And again, companies think about their marketing expenses, the cost of acquisition. That cost of acquisition is zero. That is only a net gain to send an email to say to someone, happy birthday. We celebrate with you. We hope you're doing amazing. We don't care if you're with a competitor, a customer. Why? Amazing. And best case scenario, you're going to get new skills and maybe you'll come back in a few years because we treated you right in that gap. So maybe you do elevate to management, to senior management, to office level. And you know what? We will be the first company to congratulate you, to celebrate you and say, take all this learning that you got somewhere else and bring it back to this organization. And so as you hear all these companies talking about the fight, the fight for customers, the fight for talent or the war on talent, the war on customs, the war on retention, there is a pool of people. And if anyone listening, think about how many people came into your organization and have left. And you may have really high attrition. That's okay. Some jobs are meant just for a month or two because people are just finding their feet. That's okay. But imagine this when you left, hey, can we grab your Gmail? We'd love to stay in touch. Show me how that hurts you. Right. That is so great. I think and just so many things are going through my mind. It's such a great process to implement. So if you were talking to a CEO or of a franchise company or um, their HR folks, well, what would be like one or two things somebody could do immediately to kind of change this, this back and forth with employees? So it's definitely a mindset. There are some people who believe that if you leave, you are a traitor and should be, you know, thrown off a bridge. And thankfully, I think the world is changing away from that. You know, there is no silver lining, but one of the things the pandemic has done is definitely increase the empathy of business owners to realize not everyone is the same. Not everyone's in the same bucket. Not everyone learns the same way, develops the same way or wants the same thing. And your paycheck is not the only motivator of some people. So we've definitely seen this kind of opening up of, you know, employees being a little bit more honest about who they are and what excites them. But if there's three things someone could do now, number one is make sure you have a designed leaving system, whatever that means. Hey, we wish you luck. If you need anything, let us know. Here's an, you know, give us your email address. And if you need something for us, 
we'll let you know as well. But just collect that external email address. Maybe you set up a LinkedIn group or a Facebook group. Maybe you don't, depends how many people you have. But at the very least, you've got at its basic level, a napkin with some emails on. And if you choose to develop into a mailing list on MailChimp, amazing. If you choose to a Facebook group, amazing. And if you have thousands and you choose to give us enterprise alumni a call, even better. But it doesn't really matter. We don't really care where you start. What we care about is people realizing that they have a pool of people out there. You know, if you want to change the world, you need an army. And I can give you an army right now that all know you and know you well. And here's the other reality. If you're a shitty employer, your army's not going to be there for you. And, and nor should they be either. Yeah, well said. So with technology, it makes it so much easier. You know, you just rattled off a diff, couple of different mechanisms you could use from MailChimp to just Gmail. Yeah. Um, right. So that's something that you could start immediately. Can you, you, you talked something about like 6Xing um, something with your business. So what, what, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So this is really about recruiting and finding people and finding talent. And it doesn't matter where that talent is, all the way early entry-level talent, all the way to senior. If you think about how much time it takes you to find someone, to interview someone, to do all of the testing, all the skills, to background check, to get them in, there is a fairly sizable process of time, energy, money, whatever you might want to call it, that goes into hiring someone. There is much less if you hire someone back you know. Tom, if you and I used to work together and I ping that email saying, I'm looking for talent, I'll even take part-time, I'll even take weekends. You might turn around, Tom, and say, you know what? I'm happily employed, but I could do weekends because I loved working for him. I loved working there. I love the employee book. Let me email and ask. So I, I now know you. I know you're a good employee. I know you've got the EQ I'm looking for. So I'm good to go. And my cost of recruiting is almost zero. Yeah. Uh, don't. It's, that's fine. I love it. So, um, so when you, um, so you need to put this in place at the beginning of the process with, with your HR hiring person. Um, and, and then it carries through. Yeah. And maybe that start is- with a question. What do we do when people leave? And most people will be like, Oh, we don't do anything. We kick them. We kick them in the face. That's, that's our standard policy. And because doing nothing is the same, doing nothing is the same as literally just shoving them off a, out the door, you know, through the revolving door as quick as possible. What do we do? And what is one thing we could do to make it moderately better? Because it doesn't have to be perfect day one. And again, whether you're a franchisee, whether you're large or whether you're small, this applies for life. If you think about how you get your best talent in, referral is always the best source of talent. Always. You know, if I'm looking for a podcast producer, I'm going to go to someone whose podcast I've been on. And I'm going to say, hey, who do you use? And it's the same in every business that exists. So I think the key lesson is the company, HR, sales, people like to put it in HR because hiring is so important. But I tend to believe the sales and brand value and marketing. Imagine if everyone who used to work for you pressed like on your Instagram posts, shared your Twitter thing. Just imagine, imagine 2% did it. The numbers don't have to be enormous, but everything you're doing as a business owner is for growth. And I'm telling you, there's a bucket of people ready ready to help you. They just waiting. So, So you're hitting on something I think um, is interesting. So I know there are companies that when, a, when they separate with an employee, the very first thing they do is block them on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. <laughs> you know, we don't want them to know our, you know, that we don't, I don't, <laughs> they can't see what we're doing, you know, it, and, and it, it 
is comes out of fear. You know, it's like, oh, they're going to steal my secrets, you know, and and it's it's so ridiculous. But be, before we go deeper, I just wanted to quickly have people know who you are. What what's your website? If, if they're intrigued by this conversation, where can they reach you? We're not done yet. Yeah. My name is James Sinclair. I'm at enterprisealumni.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, all of that. And if this is something that sparks an interest, whether you are just starting and thinking about doing it on a napkin or a full-fledged platform, look, our customers are, are Fortune 500, big companies with big, with big, big alumni pools. But when you think about franchisees, you have a lot of attrition. You can have a very big pool of ex-employees very, very quickly. Uh, but if someone has wants to talk about it, wants to argue, wants to, uh, wants to disagree with me, let's go. That's great. I love it. So how, how did you find this really unique niche? In my opinion, I don't know if you have any competitors. So like, how did you figure this out? So the lie would be, you know, I was sitting there thinking and all of a sudden this light bulb moment happened. And I was like, that's a great idea. That's not what happened. I was walking and I fell in a pothole basically because I was talking to a customer of mine when I was with my prior company and they were talking about recruitment and they were talking about new ways to think about recruiting, new ways to reach out. And this conversation came up. And as we looked at the market, you know, I think a lot of people always talk about it. It's, it's about being in the right place at the right time. That's exactly what it was. I was in the right place at the right time, but with enough knowledge and enough education to listen and to hear someone was saying something and to go do my own research and walk away from it. You know, it's those tiny nuggets. I think someone mentioned it in like eight seconds and that was the end of it, but it was enough for me to write a note and say, huh, that could be a thing. And so we started this about four and a half years ago. Um, and more and more, we've realized that there's no excuse to not be a great employer. And part of being a great employer is realizing employment doesn't end when they walk out the door. If anything, it's phase two of their employment. Huh. That's such a mind shift, you know? Um, like I said, people are typically shutting down social media accounts as, as soon as the person gets hit in the butt with the door on the way out. Because people have, and look, we've done a lot of work with very large franchisees, very large restaurant organizations where they have incredibly high turnover and they are looking at their employee base as a number, as a filling a gap, and therefore are not giving those people the respect or the training. And it's because they're not approaching it like the CHRO of, of Brinker, of Chili's, who's approaching this from a whole different angle, which is, it is my responsibility to teach you how to have your first job. It's my responsibility to tell you to phone your manager because you went out drinking on Friday night, you woke up late, you missed your shift, phone your manager and say, I oofed up, how can I make good? Because your manager will turn around and tell you exactly how to. And one of the things the CHRO was saying is no one's doing that within kind of lower wage employment. No one's saying we need to train these people in the fundamentals of business. He, he went on even further, things that made me wish I, he was my first employee. He was like, who's going to tell these people to take $10 a paycheck and put it in a savings account? Because when they wake up in 30 years, that will be big. And, and it's true. No one told me that I did $10. I could have done $10. Like, and he said, people don't do it because you put in $10 a paycheck and you do it for six months and you have 120 bucks. You're like, well, that was a waste of time, but you do it for 10 years. And you're like, oh my God, compounding interest and increasing. 
I now have a couple of hundred thousand dollars. And so I think we're seeing a shift in the business owner where the business owner is saying, it is my responsibility to teach you some of these life skills, to teach you some of like what it takes to succeed in business and to help shape your career. And I know that's such a weird concept when you're paying someone perhaps minimum wage. Why would I invest in someone who I pay so little to? Because they're on the front lines with your customers. And if they're happy and if you're delivering value to them, there's only one place for the value to come back to. And that's you. And, and it's a tough concept when you when you don't have genuine empathy for the people around you. Yeah. And it's it, it comes down to mutual respect and communication is, is what I'm hearing. And, and I think that goes a long way in, in the franchise world, because we do employ, you know, in the franchise industry, more people, second only to the military is what I have read in the International Franchise Association um, periodicals. So so that's brilliant. How about professional um, like mentorships and, and things of that nature? Can you use this kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, uh, McDonald's have this amazing program and kudos to them and that team on this where they talk about when you are, and I don't know what you do with chicken nuggets, frying them, grill them. I apologize. My wording might be wrong, but when you are on the grill, there is no natural way you can think of yourself as a franchise owner. When you try and visualize yourself making a Big Mac, you can't visualize the path. And, and so one of the things McDonald's talked about is you can, you can go from making Big Mac to being a franchise owner, but it's our responsibility to show you. And so one of the programs they have is where do you want to be? Where do you want to go? And they show you the map. So they bring in franchise owners that used to make the chicken nuggets. Again, apologies, my wording might not be perfect, but started at the griddle and are now a franchise owner and said, actually, there is a very clear path you can take. Here's 50. Here is 50 franchise owners who started by adding tuna to the Subway sandwich. And all it takes is McDonald's or Subway or these companies showing people that actually this is more than a job. This is a career step. But we have a challenge globally of, of, of what is a career and what is a job? And McDonald's embarked on this concept of saying, actually, just because it's the lowest rung, America's first employer, your first ever paycheck, this is your first step on your career. And I think, again, that goes to them realizing they need to invest in this workforce because these are the customers. These are the franchise owners of tomorrow. And you're more likely to be a franchise owner if you truly understand the business. And you're probably, and you can probably correct me if I'm wrong on this, Tom, you're probably more likely to be a better franchise owner if you have been in the ditches with the people, right? Yes, absolutely. In the foxhole, you know, with the battle scars. Those are the best leaders, in my opinion. So yeah. it's interesting, as I think about what you're saying, like if you're in a regular corporate job, your career path is like, you're going to get to a certain level, but you're not really going to displace the president of the company or the founder of the company. But in a franchise situation, we have a unique opportunity um, where you could start as the hamburger flipper and be the CEO of a dynasty of franchises. I just had somebody on the podcast recently who started as a delivery boy 50 years ago, five zero delivery wow. boy for a pizzeria. He's now the CEO and president of that franchise with 550 units. 
I would work for that guy any day of the week. He's been there. He's done the work. No bullshit. No nothing. And and also what it gives rise to for people like that is the path. And we talked about this a little before of the rise of innovation. People talk about franchisee innovation. There are millions of individual kids working in franchising. And I use kids, apologies, but let's call it America's first employers. Those kind of first run, second run employees who are like, there's a better way. If they just did this on TikTok, if they just like stuff that you and I are like, what? But the trouble is for most franchises, it's a very hierarchical structure. You, your manager, your manager's manager, your area manager, your regional, you can't actually get to the president, you know, and there was quite a a line that Elon Musk has in one of his emails. I'm probably quoting wrong, that basically said, always go the shortest route to success. Never go through hierarchy. If you have a good idea that could drive the business forward, don't let hierarchy get in the way of raising that. And when you start to think about alumni or you start to think about people that have left you, very often you're going to get really really honest feedback from people that have left the organization. This is why I left. This was the issue I had. This was the problem I had. This is what I would do differently. And this is not to say you're going to open the floodgates to people have a, you know, complain and scream at you. This is a very structured method of saying, how do we identify where our growth or opportunities for improvement are? Yes, we're going to get a percentage of people that just hate us and that's okay. A percentage of people that didn't like X, Y, and Z and that's okay. But you're all going to get people who say, look, I just felt there was an opportunity here that you guys were missing and I can't understand why you're not grabbing it. And so as a franchisee, as a business owner, you've got to be so open to getting that knowledge because that knowledge could change your cost of goods by you know a 0.05%, which is monumental. Right. Yes. So agreed. And and I, I think when you talk about um, these kind of people, that there's so much opportunity for them to become franchise owners. So it, it helps your recruitment pool as as well. Um, and it was there was another point I was going to make about all of that. And it just slipped my mind. But the um, being able to build with the same amount of people just saves a lot of money anyway. And all people do in these businesses, they have a quote unquote exit interview, which I think is just BS. It's just checking off a box. I guess so we did that, but they never kind of do anything about it. And and one thing that I heard somebody say years ago, and I've been saying it forever, because I think it's true. Majority of people quit their boss. They don't quit their job. Right. So true. And and so if your manager is the one doing the exit interview, there's a bit of a problemo there, I would say. And <laughs> And, and, but that's okay. You know, the point is as a, you know, someone listening, who's a franchise owner or who's thinking about it, there are groups of people that are readily and easily tappable that will help you meet and exceed your existing business objectives. Again, brand sales. Imagine if you sent an email to all of your former employees and said, Hey guys, we just launched an Instagram account. We would love some likes. We would love some comments, love some shares. And if any of you here are masters of the Instagram, let me know because we're going to hire someone to help us out. I'm not debating. You have to do that. I'm not debating. It's as friendly as that. But my point is just imagine, just imagine getting that message and being like, huh, that's cool. You know what? Why wouldn't I press like, why wouldn't I support Tom? He was always good to me. He was always right there when I needed something. He's asking for something now. It's not even, a, I'm not even going to go through a process like, yeah. and by the way, Tom, here's someone I know who's epic at doing this, this, and that. Let me introduce you. I think what it comes down to is people that leave your organization are, you know, are ready and willing to be your biggest advocate, whether again, whether that's buying, buying your stuff, referring, recruiting, whatever it is, 
you just have to give them a pathway to be there and you have to be a moderately decent human, you know, on people's journey. That's it. I love it. I love it. Tell, tell me again, how can people uh, get in touch with you, find out more? Uh, James Sinclair, LinkedIn, James Sinclair, the Instagrams, James Sinclair, but also enterprisealumni.com, my company's Enterprise Alumni. Again, if people have interest in talking about this, as you can probably tell, Tom, I quite like the conversations. And it, and it doesn't have to be because you agree with me. Um, I want to hear diverse views. I want to hear people who disagree, who tell me, how would this work in this environment where our turnover is 63%? Let's talk about it because I'm interested to know how this applies to your business as well. Well, I think it would be a fascinating conversation to have you at like a franchise convention. Every franchise has a convention and to have you kind of um, facilitate like a breakout with, you know, whatever it is, a hundred franchise owners. And how could you affect your bottom line by treating your employees really well on the exit? It's just a brilliant concept and something that I never heard of before. So I want to thank you for coming on the, uh, the Franchise Academy. And uh, if you're listening in, you can find James at his website, which is James. The website is enterprisealumni.com. But also, Tom, I have to also thank you because it sounds like you just nominated to be my public speaking agent, which is fab. So if <laughs> anyone needs me for your next franchise conference, please see my agent. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I get 10% for, uh, on everything, you know, from everything. New York. That's the way it goes. Everything. <laughs> So, James, I appreciate your time. This is great. We're going to reach out. Um, I'm sure you'll hear from some franchise people on this. So thank you for your time and uh, good luck and God bless. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. This has been another episode of the Franchise Academy podcast. For more info, go to our website, thefranchiseacademypodcast.com. Remember to subscribe to Tom Scarta's YouTube channel for educational videos on franchising, education, insight, and inspiration.